Hello, welcome to Ask About the ADA, the podcast where we answer your questions about the Americans with Disabilities Act and how it applies to everyday life. I'm Joe Zeski, Program Manager here at the Northeast ADA Center, and thank you for joining us this week. On this edition of Ask About the ADA, we're going to go back and listen to part of a webinar that the Northeast ADA offered in December of 2021. This webinar focused on commonly asked questions here at the Northeast ADA Center, and today's episode deals with two questions. One is about accessible virtual meetings, and the second is about accessible technology available on mobile phones. I hope you enjoy. This one asks, how should we provide an accessible virtual meeting? This process has certainly become more and more of an issue as everyone has worked through the COVID-19 restrictions and changes that have come up or been put into place. And so many more people are having to do things, whether for work or for school or for other social interactions, to do things virtual instead of in person. And so we put together some general tips of what to do if you need to set up an accessible virtual meeting. First, you want to look and do research. You want to find out what is likely to be among the more accessible platforms that are out there. Likely, there's always going to be some issues with every platform, but uh, certainly some do a little better job than others, and there are a wide variety out there. Look for things like, do the different platforms talk about their accessibility features? What do they offer? Do that research and legwork. Find out more about them uh, on an individual basis in terms of the platforms you're looking at and what you're able to support yourself as someone hosting a meeting. Of course, check to make sure that it is compatible with assistive technology. Some platforms are more screen reader friendly, for example. Some platforms do not allow for captioning. Some platforms um, provide automatic captioning, but perhaps don't allow for um, a live captioner or a live ASL captioning. So again, you want to investigate all those different types of technologies to see how they interact and how robust the different platforms are. When you do choose a platform, be sure that there's high quality captioning options available. And here at the Northeast ADA Center, we do use uh, live captioning. We don't rely on uh, AI, um, which is you know automated intelligence. We find that while those systems have improved greatly, and perhaps you know, those could be used in a pinch if it's a meeting where you don't expect where you haven't heard if anyone has the need for captioning, maybe you could use that. But as a general rule, uh, we would recommend probably at this point still using a live captioner or ASL interpreter to provide access for those who have hearing related disability issues or uh, for those as well who may simply need or prefer to enjoy captions um, along with the audio part of a meeting. So in order to have a captioner, you really need to be 
able to have a captioner or translator dial in to a meeting. So you want to make sure that there's an option for a captioner to join and to be uh, seen either a pod or some part of the screen uh, when requested. Another part uh, is about other preparations that can be taken in terms of the actual meeting itself. Part of it is about preparing the host and attendees for the meeting itself. In terms of the host, it's important to know the accessibility features that you're dealing with. I mentioned researching them just a moment or two ago. You also want to make sure that the host knows how accessible features work, what is or isn't possible, so that they can help people who are in the meeting itself or in the presentation itself to access all of what is possible in a given platform. So again, make sure that the host knows how to access what you know to be accessible. You also want to create and, and share out materials that are as universally accessible as possible. So if you're sharing out a Word document, you want to make sure that you follow the best practices for creating an accessible electronic document or if you're looking at a PDF, for example, you want to share out accessible materials that are uh, either shared as part of that meeting or shared post-meeting. Another good practice to have in place is to invite people to request accommodations ahead of time. You obviously want to try to plan to make your meeting as universally accessible as possible, but odds are you're not going to be able to cover quite everything. And there may be things that you simply miss. And so allowing a disclaimer in preparation for the meeting to say, you know, if you need an accommodation request, please notify this person as a point of contact so that we can do our best to, to provide it. That is something that's important. It's engaging. Then after the webinar, ask for feedback. Uh, inquire if you know people had their accessible needs met uh, and were able to participate. And finally, of course, you want the host themselves to be as inclusive. You want the host to be as mindful that there are people with different abilities um, that may be known or unknown. Uh, and there are people with disabilities that may be known or unknown. And so it's important to do things such as you know sharing the content, not only in written format, but also in verbal format, uh, also in alternative formats beyond that as well, and making sure that uh, small things like introducing who is speaking are done so that it's clear not only for attendees, but also for captioners or uh, translators. These are small things that are done. Our next question is this, is there assistive technology for mobile phone companies available for adults and youth with disabilities? Well, first of all, the law itself doesn't require the creation of any specific products as far as telephone companies and mobile phone providers in terms of the actual physical product itself. Um, so the law doesn't specify that a vendor must provide an accessible piece of technology per se. Now, that being said, certainly there is a lot of accessible technology now available on cell phones, and a lot of it is off-the-shelf accessibility at this point. 
Uh, certainly, there always is work in progress, but many of the major phone uh, carriers or providers do build in accessibility. For, the, for example, for iPhones, people have the iOS operating system has its suite of features that provide accessibility, such as voiceover, uh, touch assist, things of that nature. Android it similarly has TalkBack in terms of a screen reader that's available on the phone, as well as other uh, assistive technology uh, applications that are available. Now, in terms of the apps available, um, they're not all cell phone apps, as anyone who uses some of this assistive technology will know is accessible. So um, certainly there are apps and programs that are not accessible, but that's not unfortunately addressed directly by the ADA. And it's something that uh, is an issue of concern, but certainly there are more and more uh, providers and app creators that are offering accessible technology, um, both through free and paid apps as well. Well, thank you for listening to this edition of Ask About the ADA. If those questions were of interest or you have others that you'd like to ask, please feel free to contact us here at the Northeast ADA Center. You can visit our website at northeastada.org. You can email us at northeastada at cornell.edu. And of course, you can always reach out to us as well through social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, the usual suspects. Just look for Northeast ADA. Thank you for listening, and thanks as always to Grace Fairchild, the producer of our podcast here at the Northeast ADA. Thanks as well to Peter Quinn of the YTI media team, and thank you for being a part of the conversation. Mm -hmm.